As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The U.S. women's national team has gathered for the last time in 2021. Tonight, they play the first of two games against South Korea, games which could feature some interesting new names in the lineup. The Athletic Steph Young is here to tell us about the makeup of this women's national team, which players to watch out for tonight, and what to expect from South Korea in these games. Also, Felipe Cardenas tells us about tonight's big meeting between the top two teams in the Argentine Primera Division. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Thursday, October 21st. Steph Young, thank you for coming on the show. Um, Why don't we start with uh, just the most you know, basic uh, questions. Uh, who is not on this U.S. Women's National Team squad that is going to face Korea starting tonight? Oh, well, it's a combination of injuries and players opting out. So injured, I believe we have Sam Mewis, Alyssa Nair, Julie Ertz still out. The last time I saw Alyssa Nair, she was still using crutches to get around. I saw her maneuvering through the airport on her sad crutches. And then opting oh, no. out yeah, is uh, Kristen Press and Crystal Dunn. Uh, Kristen Press already opted out of the games before this, saying she needed to take, you know, some mental health recovery time. And then Crystal Dunn has opted out for these games, I presume, for the same reasons, or, you know, simply she needs to preserve her energy. And I I really like that for both of them, for, you know, feeling secure enough in their positions to do that and for being willing to say, hey, I need to prioritize myself right now. Yeah. Uh, so first, with with the Nair injury, is that the same thing that she uh, was that her Olympics injury? Yep. That, that still, she's still recovering, recovering from. Still. Okay. okay well. Uh, <laughs> okay. So those are the players that aren't here. How about some of the players that actually did get called to this team? There are a bunch of uh, new faces, maybe some faces that we haven't seen in a while. One of whom I know you talked to me before when we were preparing for the show. You mentioned Emily Fox is a, is an interesting one, especially uh, considering Crystal Dunn's absence. Uh, What's what's the what's the situation there? I would say Emily Fox is someone she's been called in before, but she's certainly someone who I think we've all been watching in anticipation of her kind of fully joining that defensive uh, pool and particularly in the fullback area. She can play left. Racing Louisville has even switched her to the right. They've asked her to take on a lot of responsibility for a rookie in their first season. And I think she's stepped up relatively well for racing. So I'm really interested to see how they're going to use her for these games. I think with Crystal Dunn out, it's a guarantee we'll see Fox 
for at least some of it. I mean, I would think that you're going to call her all the way in. Um, you're going to try to evaluate her. Um, and then, you know, some of the other names with Kristen Press out on the forward end, I think we want to look a lot closer at Mal Pugh and Sophia Smith. Right. Yeah. What 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 has the last like year or so been like for those two players? I feel like those were players that were sort of very highly touted and with a team that's as veteran heavy as the U.S. Women's National Team, the chances to actually get some serious minutes under your belt are not exactly plentiful. So what are we looking to to see from them uh, this uh, this window? I think Mel Pugh, poor Mel Pugh, her career has been dissected every which way from next Wednesday just because she did come into this team, you know, as, as a youth, as a teen, skipping college, the Lindsay Horan route. Did you know Lindsay Horan skipped college to go pro? You know, that sort of <laughs> attitude, but, you know, with Mel Pugh as well. And then she kind of had a dip in form, which um, probably coincided or was influenced by her club environment, I want to say, you know, a mismatch of player and coach. And then now that she's at Chicago, I think that she's experiencing a little bit of a, a renaissance or, you know, she's she's found the right training environment or she's hit the right stride. So she's picking up again. I think she's been great at club. I think she's been interesting, you know, in the national team games that we've seen her in. And then Sophia Smith has been having a great season over at Portland, um, yeah. And these are both players, I think, they have their strengths positionally, but are also flexible in that front line. And we've seen that Vlatko has valued that, particularly in his front six, um, and, and asking his forwards in that front three when he plays a 4-3-3 to be able to switch positionally, which is also something he asks of Kristen Press from time to time. So I think if those two can demonstrate their ability to play nine or false nine or come wide, play the crosser, which I understand is a lot of responsibility, but it's something that... I think Vlatko wants, then, you know, maybe those are going to be some big check marks going into the future. Right. And of course, we can't get through talking about this squad without, without talking about Carly Lloyd, because this <laughs> is uh, this is going to be her last U.S. Women's National Team camp, believe it or not. We'll probably talk more about that when it's actually time for her last game. But uh, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts just as somebody that has followed women's soccer so closely for so long to be seeing the end of the Carly Lloyd era with with the U.S. Women's National Team? I mean, they always make you reflect on your own life, right? You get into this <laughs> weird, like, existential sort of, what does it all mean? What have I done with my life? How old am I? Like, what milestones <laughs> have I hit? And honestly, it sounds like Carly Lloyd is the same. She's been pretty open in the press where she's like, I'm ready for the next step of my life. I'm kind of tired. Like, I've been grinding for 17 years. I literally can't step outside of my house without wondering if I'm going to get injured today. Um, and that sounds mentally and physically exhausting. And I think that's actually kind of prepped the rest of us. I'm like, she's ready to go. I'm ready for her to go. I'm I'm pretty happy that she's going to get to start the next phase of her life. You know, so is she. So um, the existential component kind of isn't there this time. I just think it's going to be like a really good, fun time in that aspect. Yeah. Uh, with, with her leaving and, and so many other you know veterans that everybody in the country knows and loves, uh, sort of reaching the end of their careers or close to it. To what extent is this U.S. Women's National Team rebuilding uh, right at the moment? I think they're actually doing pretty well in terms of this like transitional phase where you're getting people like Carly Lloyd retiring, maybe Becky Sauerbrunn and Megan Rapinoe next. <laughs> like, 
I you almost wanted to whisper names, that like, yeah. into the mic, <laughs> like have a little secret. Um, but we have like such a good, strong core that are at their peak in the midfield, right? Lindsey Horan, Rose Lavelle. Rose Lavelle is still fairly young as, as players go. And then we've got Sam Muos when she comes back. Katarina Macario is coming right. in here. Andy Sullivan's coming up through there. That midfield core is good. I think we're a little dicey in the the fullback area, but... You know, once again, in defense, I think the next player you want to be looking at coming through is maybe Naomi Gurma from the youth ranks. And so it's really not that I don't I don't feel like I need to panic, you know. Right. I feel like that you rarely need to panic when it comes with to the talent level on the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, But uh, it's just it's just interesting to see so many big players uh, on their way out now. Uh, focusing more on on the opponents for these next two games, they're both against South Korea. Uh, one of which is tonight, uh, the other of which is uh, next week. Uh, what should we be expecting from South Korea in these games? So I don't think we should be expecting a blowout quite like we saw in the last two games. I don't. I'm not saying it's going to be like World Cup final level of competitive, but I do think these are teams that have um, had different experiences particularly through covid and in recent ability to put together games um the korean women have just come out of afc uh, asian cup women's finals although they were playing uzbekistan and mongolia and they blew out mongolia 12 nothing in september and uzbekistan was a 4-0 win in september so maybe take that with a grain of salt but they did get minutes and they got together you know, and they got to be in a training environment within the last couple of months as opposed to within the last, you know, 18 months for their previous right. opponent. So, I, yeah, I think it will be more competitive, but I'm I'm certainly not, with all due respect to South Korea, the motherland, right, for me, <laughs> um, I'm certainly thinking that the United States should be able to do that thing where they kind of focus more on their own game and work on their own whatever they need to work on, especially integrating some of these younger kids and looking to the future rather than, you know, trying desperately to get out the win. And when you mentioned uh, working on their own thing, you know, we've talked about a couple of players. Is there anything system-wise we should be looking at? Is You know, do you anticipate that Vako and Anoski will be adding any new tactical wrinkles or or uh, adjustments to sort of the 4-3-3 that we're used to seeing them play? That's an interesting question. Um, no, not necessarily, although I would be interested in knowing what he thinks of racing Louisville using Emily Fox the way they have. So Emily Fox playing left back for racing, often asked to come up like diagonally through the whole field into the attacking third sometimes, either carrying okay. the ball or playing in passing triangles to to move the ball forward, which would be very interesting for the United States to see and is something maybe they could try out at in, in these friendly games that have like zero consequence. But on the other hand, you know, the U.S. Women's National Team doesn't have the same needs <laughs> as Racing Louisville and has right. maybe a stronger roster. Right. So I, th- I, th- I think that's fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Steph Young, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for having me. Also on Thursday, we have a big game in the Argentine Primera División. Uh, River Plate versus Talleres Cordoba. Those are the top two teams in the league. Here to give us a very quick guide to what to watch out for with this game is our reporter, Felipe Cardenas. Felipe, thank you for coming on the show. Um, 
real quick, uh, you know, as uh, if you can give us sort of a quick guide to this to this game for people that maybe aren't as familiar with the uh, Argentine Primera División River Plate, obviously a very very big club, Talleres de Córdoba, a less big club, let's say. Uh, give us a little bit of an insight into the significance of this matchup uh, tonight. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it, you've got River Plate, which they're sitting top of the table at 36 points uh, after their big win against San Lorenzo over the weekend, which is a sort of like a Buenos Aires Clasico, not as big as Boca River, but a huge game. Uh, River Plate now have extended their lead to four points after Talleres de Cordoba lost to Colón. And so now you have, it's still a top of the table match, but it's 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 now looks like if River Plate win this game, they further stretch the lead. And they're closer to winning their first title ever, their first league title ever under Marcelo Gajardo. Marcelo Gajardo already has a statue outside of the stadium, but he does not have a league title. And so Tajeza de Cordoba, for those that may be wondering where this team is coming from, they are ultimately the most unsung, unheralded second place team in Argentina this season. Um, they're, they've never, they haven't won a title uh, I believe since 1999 and they're currently in the semifinal of the Copa Argentina. So they're this team that's just playing really well. Um, and, and I think we we're talking offline. They, they have part of the story is that they have some players that have been at big clubs like river, like Boca, like Racing and San Lorenzo and have sort of flopped and they've landed here at Tajeres. Uh, and and they're playing very well. One player, Carlos Aski, Auski, he's a striker. I read a, I read somewhere recently where he was described as a unmitigated flop at River Plate, and his strike <laughs> partner, his strike partner is uh, Hector Fertoli. And I think if you follow Argentine soccer, Fertoli is someone that'll that'll come up. Uh, will we'll pique your interest. He was at San Lorenzo. He was at Rossing. So veteran strike force, uh, and then a very a veteran goalkeeper in Guido Herrera, who was joined Tajeres when they were relegated, um, and, and they were trying to get out of of, of Nacional B, which is the the second division. So uh, a nice story. And then finally, there's a touchline battle here between uh, Marcelo Gajardo and the Tajeres goalkeeper, the Tajeres coach, who's a Uruguayan named Alexander Medina. Alexander Medina played under Marcelo Gajardo when Gajardo had a short stint at Nacional in Uruguay a few years back before he went to River Plate. So they speak very highly of each other. They've been talking about each other over the past week, and it'll be interesting to see how these two, two teams match up. Two very offensive teams. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, last question. Uh, you know, River, River Plate is known for being this giant Argentinian team, a ton of great talented players come from there. What, who are the players that we should be looking out for on this particular uh, River Plate squad as we watch the game tonight? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, it's the new star. His name is Julian Alvarez. He's 21 years old. Uh, he has, he scored twice in the Super Classico against Boca Juniors, uh, and he's just coming into his own. It seems like every season, Marcelo Gajardo has a big star. Uh, and, you know, going back to when PT Martinez was there and led them to the big Copa Libertadores title, they've had a lot of young players that have come through. And now Julian Alvarez is another homegrown that that is just the, the next jewel in, in at River Plate. And I think what's really interesting about River Plate today is that they have a lot of injuries and they're showing their depth. These players that Gajardo just is able to pluck out of the 
you know, the, the Academy and they, they line up and play his style. And so the big, the big, you know, the big player right now is a 21 year old striker who even in Argentina, people are saying if the world cup started today, Julian Alvarez would be on that squad. So, I mean, he's a big time player, young talent. Okay, cool. Well, we'll make sure to uh, keep an eye on him and all the players in this game. River Playtech on Tayares de Córdoba tonight on Paramount Plus in the Argentine Primera División. Felipe, thank you. Yep. The U.S. women's national team plays South Korea tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. River Plate and Tayares kick off at 8.15 Eastern on Paramount Plus. Elsewhere in soccer today, there's a ton of action in the UEFA Europa League and Europa Conference League. Just way too many games there to count, but they're all on Paramount Plus in the United States. The pick of the bunch is probably... Bayer Leverkusen versus Real Betis in the Europa League. They're the top two scoring teams in that competition, which now that I've said that means that'll be a nil-nil draw, but it's worth checking out regardless. Thanks for listening to Soccer Every Day. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 50% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. See you tomorrow.